Regency Capital Management and its representatives are not responsible for the accuracy or outcomes of anything discussed. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as personal investment, financial, legal, or tax advice. The ideas and investments discussed are for information and entertainment purposes only. We may be wrong or change our mind in the future on anything discussed. Do your own homework and consult your advisor. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Talk Exchange with Neil Rose and Arthur Mallet. Welcome, everybody. We are back for another episode of the Talk Exchange. I've got Neil Rose here, as always, and we are going through some wild times in this market, and people are afraid, confused. I mean, what, do you, what are your initial thoughts? Well, first, I guess I should apologize. We, we've been few and far between lately with communication, and, and that, that's not by design. It, it's, we've just been, there's been a lot to digest, um, both you know, on the risk management side, but also on lining up things that we want to buy or have been looking to buy. So I always say that the downside is there's a lot of opportunity. We only think of markets and risk and, and define it as, as losses. And that's certainly a risk, and certainly our primary objective is preserving capital. And to keep the volatility to some, for most clients, I'm not talking about you know clients for whom we, we run just a stock portfolio, but for those clients, the vast, vast majority of those who come to us and say, this is the bulk or almost all the liquid savings and liquid net worth, uh, you know, we, can't, we can't lose it or lose too much. And, and, and that's always goal number one. And so we all, because we're human and because our primary job is preserving capital, we, we look at those losses and, and, you know, freak out. Even if we're in a good position, we're not taking a lot of blows. Right, right. Uh, it hurts to lose anything, a percent, a dollar. Um, and that's why I don't gamble whenever I go to Vegas, because I just hate losing even the first bet. <laughs> but this is the first, this is the first down draft of the market where... I mean, just even in my bones, I'm feeling really good. I mean, even the, the natural human biology, fight or flight things, it's just not there. And part of it is uh, yeah, we're holding up relatively well. Uh, the other thing, though, is as much as preservation has been front, of, front and center and always is, we've been able to think about you know, the second primary uh, risk or primary objective people have is which is a long-term is long-term preservation of capital what does long-term preservation of capital mean it's it's keeping purchasing power it's growing we need to grow money because over time uh it's not it's not the losses that are risk it's it's the fact that we know that the dollar is going to lose purchasing power constantly it always has and probably always will maybe even more so we're starting to finally get signs of inflation for the first time in a long time but you know, these down markets can be a really op- good opportunity to to do things and, and buy things, invest in things that sort of attune to the longer term second objective, the long term. You know, but to, to be able to have that luxury and to be able to have that capability, you can't bleed out first. Right. You have to be well positioned for today to fight for tomorrow. That's a big part of, I mean, it's always been a part of our philosophy. Um, so I think some of the really interesting things that I've I mean, we've sort of seen in these markets is there's been this decoupling, you know, the inverse relationship between equity and fixed income has really become apparent in this market. And it's, 
I mean, to get not too specific, but there are many strategies, the generic strategies that sort of are still based on the fact that if one goes up, the other must go down. And there is a concept of quote unquote balance, a balanced portfolio, meaning there's a percentage in equities and a percentage in fixed income, and somehow they'll buoy each other in inverse markets. And that's just not what we're seeing. Right. Uh, to talk about today's markets is really to talk about the bond market. Uh, you know, the stock market gets all the attention, and uh, we are seeing finally, and this is probably the reason for the, the optimism or, or the, the lack of fear, is rates are going up. Rates are going up, and when rates go up, especially from a, a low level, it, it's poison to a lot of stocks, especially really expensive stocks. And let's not forget we're over a decade into a bull market, and we just come from what we described as a bubble in terms of a, a lot of areas of the market, right? I mean, you don't have to go that far back. And we're talking, uh, you know, tech stocks, big tech stocks, IPOing and and, and even two years after trading for 100 times sales or 200 times earnings or no earnings for the foreseeable future, talking about meme stocks and crypto. and Yeah, money, money was flowing. It seemed like easy street for a while there. I think the final, and we talked about this in a prior podcast, I, I think the, the final straw, at least for me, and all the time saying we don't know when it ends, but certainly bubbles, whether they're concentrated bubbles or entire market bubbles, they are they always last longer than almost anybody reasonably thinks. And, uh, and so we, we, you know, we, we know we can't time the top. Uh, Alan Greenspan was talking about irrational exuberance in the 90s tech market starting in 1996. It, well, it, didn't, it didn't bust for four years afterward, but the NFT thing was just a little too much. That was, <laughs> that was, your, when, that was the icing on the cake for yeah, you, the these, cherry on top. Yeah, and for review, non-fungible tokens, NFT, I see it a lot in the news. Basically, these are... And I'm, I'm. This is not the exact definition, but I, I think the the generalizing it like this is is apt. Uh, people are taking what are little images, digital images, and putting it on a blockchain. And all that means is that every time you use or see or or transfer these little pictures, and that's that's really what they are, mostly JPEGs, JPEGs, and <laughs> uh, you know it's being recorded all over the world through all these servers that are mining uh, crypto, uh, but it's a JPEG. You don't need to buy the NFT to use an image. And it's, it's, it was just so bizarre just seeing some of these. And, and, and my kids who you know, watch YouTube like a lot of other kids, and, and certainly they're part of this generation where the number one answer to what do you want to be when you grow up is influencer. <laughs> they're seeing a lot of these influencers who are not even in their 20s, they're not even out of the house yet. They're teenagers and young teenagers minting millions through JPEGs and some smart social media and just getting a buzz going. And they'll make pictures and, and sell 50 of them, quote, exclusive, put it on a blockchain, and they're making millions. And this is one of these unintended consequences. And we talked about many uh, unintended consequences as it relates to uh, zero interest rate policy. Right. ZERP. Um, is ZERP a real thing? Do people call it? That's an acronym. That's I mean, I know it is an acronym. Do people, are people out there saying ZERP a lot? Because I'm going to start saying it. I think I've read something the Fed uses ZERP. <laughs> oh, I would love to but, see someone from the Fed uh, say ZERP. But their, their zero interest rate policy, when your alternative is 
making zero in a savings account or even a treasury bond, uh, it sort of justifies a lot of paying up for things. And and we you know we look at that and say, well, okay, what's what's the world giving us? The world's giving us stocks, some good ones, a lot of bad ones, a lot of them are expensive, some more than others. Meanwhile, the market is kind of moving homogeneously up and down, uh, and there are a lot of reasons and drivers for that. But but we also saw people's attitudes towards bonds in general unchanged. Bonds are always thought of as more conservative than stocks. And we've talked many times and, and even written about how that's not necessarily true. Bonds are more conservative than stocks at a price. Um, and certainly we've been through, and we talked about this, 30 years plus of a very, very long and quite awesome, powerful bond bull market, meaning as interest rates go from double digits to to almost zero, right? the price appreciation in to the zerp. bonds was great. So in, in good times, uh, as inflation was get, got, got tame and, and people pretty much lost all fear of inflation or even higher interest rates, we're all talking about deflation and debt, prices go up. And so in good, in good stock markets, most times the bond markets did well too. So you made money on stocks and bonds. But when stocks did have bear markets uh, and we had recessions, the bonds, they still went up and they went up by a lot more. Yeah, they so, held up. So, so bonds have been for quite, had been for quite some time a great diversifier to stocks. And hence the rules of thumb of uh, whether it's 60-40 or something like that, most portfolios will have, you know, uh, mostly stocks, and then they'll have a lot of bonds, and that's it. Or they might have a little bit of this and that, but are really just different kinds of stocks and bonds. Might be high-yield credit, might be international uh, bonds or international stocks. Uh, It might be things that are levered, meaning put money with someone who's going to buy bonds or stocks, but they're going to borrow a bunch of money and get more. Right. Anyway, this this is an interesting time in that, We've never seen a bond market like this. And, and when I mean we, I mean everybody. Uh, I'll give you a couple examples. So the 10-year treasury, which is a very important benchmark, 10-year treasury is sort of at the front end of what is considered long-term bonds, I think. Um, you know, In that is a lot of market assumptions, right? Um, why do people lend to anybody else for 10 years? Well, they have a certain assumption about the the world over the next 10 years they have assumption about inflation and you know we got to a place where that 10-year treasury got to you know the depths of covid in march 2020 got to about half a percent for government bonds anyway and for corporate bonds or municipalities you know uh, not counting the tax um, thing i mean they were really low corporate bonds really low and and that was as we look back now that was the that was the top, if you will, of the bond market or the bottom of the interest rate, multi-decade interest rate uh, falling. But, but, and the 10-year, like I said, is very important. Mortgage rates are typically determined by the 10-year. Even though we all get 30-year mortgages, why is it the 10-year? Well, most mortgages pay off, and the average mortgage life is about 10 years. Uh, anyway, so where, where are we now? May... Sixth, May sixth. Uh, so may the sixth be with you. So the returns year to date on the ten year is 
you know, we're down, you're down double digits, well in double digits. And the losses in the 10-year treasury or the 10-year bond market, let's call it, uh, hasn't been this bad. You have to go back to the late 1700s, I think, to lose this much money in bonds. Late 1700s, they were recording this stuff? They were. Well, we've had government bonds a long time. so Neil, you need to get more hobbies. Because well, if you're reading bond markets from the 1700s, I'm concerned about your oh, no, well-being. I saw this in a chart. So you know, we, sure. we, run these, we run these down-draw charts, and we'll put things on the web. The next piece will have actually a lot of uh, visuals in terms of you know, just what's going on. But, but down-draws are really important, when meaning it, you can pull up charts to show at any time what did the mark? What, how fall? How far did the market fall from its peak? And um, you know, right now the S and P five hundred's down draw. We're we're about sixteen percent from the top. You know, established. You know, really just four or five uh, months ago. Year to date, the S and P five hundred's down. What is it down? Like fourteen percent. Uh, so the the top was just before the the year end. Um, but the bonds up until actually I think this week. The bond market was down more. We have a double-digit losses in the bond market, and what does that mean? Well, uh, it just means it means your sixty forty benchmark portfolio is not doing so well. So that forty percent or or thirty five or thirty, whatever those bonds were supposed to be, uh, if you take the bond market at large, or like a bond index fund, which captures the bond index, you've you have thousands of bonds. Uh, some are short maturity. A lot of them are long maturity. The uh, I think the average bond, if you will, has a maturity of um, almost nine years. Okay, and just so nine is pretty close to ten, and those those things again down double digits. So we have a drawdown right now in the bond market, uh, about thirteen percent, and that's for that's for high quality stuff, governments, um, mortgage backs, things like that. Um, you have certain types of credits, uh, meaning corporate bonds or high yield bonds, junk bonds. Uh, you're down a lot more. So so investors right now are getting this sort of uh, – doesn't matter where you are. You're getting it from both ends. You're getting it from both ends. And, and you know, I, it's kind of looking at our – you know, even our strategies. And, and like I said, most investors here, they're, they're – you know, we're on a conservative – I mean, we're trying to be in a, a very conservative, multi-risk, um, aware, absolute return. That's where most people are. Uh, you know, we can establish – and do establish where we want to be at any point in time, stocks, bonds, cash, other assets like precious metals. And and of our larger strategies, you know, that strategy has typically has the least amount of equity in it. Like for instance, we're um, and we've been selling down those those clients, most people listening, they're, they're about forty percent equity. Uh, and of course we're we may be wrong and we're biased, but that within that forty isn't the stock market. Right. Meaning it's not 30%, or I should say 40% tech and internet companies, which is what the S&P 500 is. It's you know, it's sort of a curated list of equities of what we think are really great businesses and not as economic, economically sensitive. Some of them are role players, um, you know, whether it's like defense stocks, which inherently have a hedge against you know, some of the uh, possible contingencies out there like Russia. Right. Those um, global uncertainties right. that are worth feeling pretty aggressively now, right. you want to have a, a foothold right. in someone who, in something that'll go up if those things go wrong. Right, and and so those have less uh, equity. Um, all of them have some fixed income exposure, and everyone's noticed a lot of bond buying over the last 
oh gosh, it must be 12 months now. And, and we've been just, as rates have gone up, we're just limping in with really small amounts. Some of these right. are 1%, 2%. Uh, and we're still pretty light in bonds, but what, what I find interesting is that our our A strategy, all weather absolute return, is down about six percent. So if you're you know listening and you're a typical client, you, you know, year to date, you're down six percent, which actually feels awful. Always does, but compared to what's going out on out there, I think you know, I'm I'm uh, uh, feeling really good about it. Our balanced uh, clients, and we have uh, a number of those, and whether they're 401k plans or they want more of a traditional balance or they want structurally more equity than uh, the real preservation-minded stuff, um, you know, those accounts are down in the fives. So yeah. more equity and, and less fixed income exposure, and they're doing better than what's supposed to be the more conservative strategy. So how would you explain that? So something we've talked about a little bit is the actual uh, categorization of each asset class, you know, of the individual securities within the asset class uh, is of, is often misleading. You know, we have we have some securities in the equity asset class that don't act like that's not their that's not their job. It's not their role in that per- particular portfolio, and it's really a fixed income proxy or it has some other value. Can you talk a little bit about that? Just because a lot of people will look generally at their asset allocation, but that's not necessarily painting the most accurate picture. Right. The typical stock is, in an ideal world, these are all just beautiful businesses we think will compound higher sales and higher earnings indefinitely. And if that's true, the price will follow. It doesn't mean it follows in the short term, but in the long term, the market is a weighing machine. So if if a company is going to grow earnings and double and triple and quadruple its earnings over time, the stock price will more or less follow. But we do have some special situation stuff where they might be just small, and I mean small in terms of weight of the portfolio. They might be small bets, if you will, on a specific company. Uh, we have a small biotech. Uh, you know, that is uh, relatively speculative, of course. Is it correlated to the stock market? Well, it shouldn't be, right? These things are about, you know, does the drug work or not? Does the does the right. therapy it's, it's, work or not? Right. So there, there, there are moments in the pro, in this process where they will they'll have great successes or great failures, and we're banking obviously on the successes. Right. So, so you know, that's company specific, and maybe some some gaming of the system, uh, so to speak. Meaning, you know, some of these companies are not in the bit, you know, not in the indices yet, or the index funds haven't bought them yet. So we we think there's kind of uh, a lot of ways to win, or at least a lot of ways to to limit the downside. I mentioned defense stocks. That's a that's another not economic thing. I mean, those those stocks, those three defense stocks we have, I want them to go down. I always I always have because if defense stocks are, are that means the rest money, of things, the rest of the yeah, stuff is doing all right. I I'd love to. I, I don't mind losing money on some stocks if it if it's because of world peace, right? So, uh, and then. Um, yeah, just obscure, not obscure, but some 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 sort of um, arbitrage or arbitrage like things. We have a we have a preferred stock, um, and I I went twenty years without buying a preferred share. Uh, we have a, per- a preferred stock, which is kind of like a bond, really, um, but it, it's equity. They're usually indefinite, and they typically have a really high yield. Well, this one is a preferred stock of uh, what is one of the largest. Uh, uh, owners of farmland they get paid for dirt they don't there's no almost no overhead and they buy high value uh, a lot of california 
annual crop stuff. Um, we, you know, we get a 5% yield. Um, now, I don't like preferreds mostly because, well, yield is one, but the other is they're indefinite. So they're like ultra long-term bonds right. with credit risk. Uh, what I like about this one is uh, the bond, uh, the preferred has an expiration date. So as long as that company doesn't go bankrupt, uh, and there's no reason they should, they own land and um, maybe they have some debt, but it's this. Uh, yeah, we think it's pretty safe stuff. We're going to collect a five percent yield for three years. Um, the alternatives they go bankrupt in the bondholders, uh, and there's not you know, not that much debt, um, but the bondholders and then we, the preferred shareholders. Collect. All, all of a sudden, have ownership of you know, what essentially you know, hundreds of thousands of acres of. Listen, farmland. if we want to, you've always joked about becoming a gentleman farmer. So if this has been your, if this has been your bag, your motive this whole time, I'm all for it. Right. I'll just be in charge of the pigs right. and goats, and you can do the chickens right. and the farming. Well, another, I'm, I'm another, lazy. Another obvious one is you know those ones that represent commodities, right? Certain commodities, whether it's fertilizers, but probably more specifically the gold and silver bullion ETFs. Uh, so, anyway, a lot of diversification in there, and each one kind of has a a micro, uh, mostly has some some micro justification, but they all are harmonious to some macro. Uh, I want to say assumptions, but some macro things that we either believe in or want to hedge against. Well, it's also I think it's just a great illustration of the top down and bottoms up approach. As an individual security, sure, we, we like it. It meets our standards. But more importantly, it's an important piece of this bigger puzzle. Yeah, you know, looking at, you know, what are stocks that are, they are fractional ownership of business. So if you're going to have individual stocks, well, you better analyze the business. Right. All right. I don't think that's actually... That's not that's, how most people do their trading. Well, I'll tell you that. Not enough. <laughs> um, I, I, I think uh, because, you know, we're all trained as market people that, you know, you're supposed to look at markets um, and, and it's, a, it's a stock market, not a market for individual stocks and businesses. And, and, and certainly for a long time, those people have actually done better because when you just sort of splash the market, uh, it's done well. Tech has done well. It's a lot of tech in, in um, the S&P 500 uh, and by far the largest uh, sector. And I think the second or third lar- third largest sector is is you know, what's now really internet companies and and you know that shotgun approach has gotten more popular. The indexes actually own a bigger and bigger part of the entire stock market, and there's a lot of indiscriminate buying that goes on. Right, uh, they buy when new flows come in, so new flows come in and they buy. Well, flows go out, same thing. Now they're they're selling everything somewhat in- indiscriminately. Uh, so that that's certainly going on, um, and you know the averages actually probably now are getting maybe hit a little bit more because the the averages are most are largely a function of the largest of the large stocks, which we talked about have held up relatively better. Uh, a lot of smaller companies have gotten killed. I think half the Nasdaq stocks are down like fifty percent, and yet you look at an Apple or Microsoft or companies like that that are um, huge components of the. Uh, of the market and especially things like the NASDAQ. Uh, yeah, they're down in the teens now, uh, but for a long time they were pretty much uh, even or, or up. Uh, so now the general's getting shot. The bond market, bond indexing to me is uh, maybe even more concerning because if stocks are ownership of companies, what are bonds? Bonds are loans. And right. there's been a lot of indiscriminate loans being made, short term, long term, good credit, bad credit, 
doesn't matter. Um, well, as you mentioned, there seemed to be a lot of free money going around, so people were a little less concerned right. about where they were right. putting it. They so, just had to find places to put I, it. I just think it's, it's, it's a different game you're playing when you're looking for bond exposure rather than I'm looking to make smart loans, get a good yield, and not, not get uh, defaulted upon. Uh, so, so the individual loans, the individual companies, we think over time actually have value in terms of lowering the downside or, or mitigating risk and, and also making more money over time. You know, otherwise, why look at a financial statement? Let's be right. like most people not even you know, look at uh, numbers or business model and let's just buy everything. So, and this has been long in the tooth and I'm actually surprised it's lasted this long where kind of doing research and actually thinking and actually looking at businesses and looking at loans proves to, uh, to have some value. Um, again, we've been in this shotgun market. Uh, now everybody, and now that sort of the tide's going out and, you know, probably for now and for some time, it's going to make sense, you know, put the shotgun away and look at, you know, pull out the rifle and look at good companies. Babies do get thrown out with bathwater. That's true in the stock market. It's true in the bond market. Um, as rates go up, it's going to make sense to make more loans. And as long as they're quality and we're reasonably sure we're going to be paid back, um, you know, we'll, we'll have some bonds. We have some bonds now. We will have probably more later. Um, our bonds, um, like I said, the bond market is mostly longer term in nature. The average uh, maturity on a bond is almost nine years. Uh, in our portfolio, we have probably about three quarters of our bond exposure. So if a, if a, if an A strategy client has 36% in bonds, which is more or less right, 25% of the portfolios is in, in tre- mostly treasuries, almost all treasuries that are three years or less, mostly one to two year. Um, those are yielding about two and three quarters percent. Over time, they're not going to be as um, volatile to interest rate moves because they're kind they of mature very soon. Yeah. But what's interesting is a lot of our, again, even though we're down five, 6%, a lot of those losses are from the bonds. But, but here's the, the interesting thing is those, those uh, losses are temporary. So short-term bonds have been hit too. They've gone down in price, but they have to mature at par. So we buy something, let's say at 100, uh, interest rates go up, meaning prices go down. And it looks like, oh, there's a, a, a paper loss. Well, over the next year or two, these bonds... They mature at par. They you get mature the, at par. You get so, the money back. <laughs> so we can look at a bond and say, well, it's 96, but you know, in a, in a year and a half, it's going to be 100. So you got 4% from here, anyway, on the upside, plus whatever coupon it's paying. And um, so that's, you know, so it's probably the... the it's probably the nicest six percent or five percent, six percent loss that I could think of. Where it's right. I mean, this is how you play that side of the equation correctly. Right. I mean, hopefully, even with stocks, you know, as long as you have good companies, you know, any losses don't represent permanent capital loss. You know, again, if the business is right, you'll they'll bounce back and then some, and, and a lot of money will be made. But on the bond side, it's a virtual certainty. If uh, you're talking about, you know, super credit worthy. Right. institutions like the U.S. Treasury. Um, in fact, the, the risk with that is not so much they'll pay you back, but what what are those dollars going to be worth later on, right? And right. that's There's... what we're finally talking about inflation. Well, I think the overall, I think that it's been pretty enlightening. And I think for a lot of investors, certainly those who either have been doing it themselves or have professional help, it's it's really been an eye-opening experience these first four months and change of this year because it has been such a, as you mentioned, homo- homogeneous, 
homogenous, homogenous market for such a long time that people are really have forgotten all of the intricacies and all of the ins and outs and how these things can can move against each other with each other what drives those things so i think we've been fortunate obviously i'm always feel very lucky to have neil around because he's he's the big brain and i just get to like leech off of it and i'm sure most of our listeners have some sort of relationship like that with him too as he gets very bashful and shy about it but it's really it's really eye opening because we have had such a bull market uh, in both stocks and bonds for such a long time, you forget almost that this can happen. I think there's a real case for optimism. What's been our biggest complaint the last several years? Well, the market's just kind of nuts, and interest rates are zero, and you know people are going to find out bonds are not as conservative as they thought they'd be, or at some point in time, bonds and stocks don't move in opposite ways when stocks uh, go down. So uh, I'm hopeful things are getting cheaper, and there's some more rational thinking in markets. But meanwhile, we're all making more income. These portfolios are throwing off more income. Right? right. Interest rates are going up. And so because we didn't throw all this money into long-term bonds and lock in, um, you know, think about locking in your mortgage, but in reverse, uh, we didn't do that um, uh, by and large. And Sorry and so, for all those people who weren't able to uh, refinance <laughs> in the last couple of years. Yeah, we've been talk- talking about that. So when we talked about you know, me, I, I was like, I want to get a mortgage. I don't think we're going to see 2.5%, 3%, uh, um, or at least I want to uh, hedge that risk. Well, I, I wish I did. It turned out, uh, you know, I just, you know, lazy or... Uh, <laughs> no, no one would well, accuse you of being well, lazy. Well, maybe maybe overstretched. We'll, we'll, we'll save this for another story, but we'll, we'll, we'll have a story about Neil's attempt to get a mortgage and, and what he heard back. But uh, <laughs> Neil's, it sounds like an episode <laughs> right, of Always Sunny right, in Philadelphia. Right. <laughs> the gang gets a mortgage. It, it, yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I, yeah I, I will vent about the mortgage industry or the mar- just how, how we approach mortgages as, as a society. It's, it's interesting, but no, we're throwing off more income. So rates are going up, and so long as you have good companies... You know, those dividends continue to increase too. The cash dividends are thrown off. So these portfolio yields two, three percent. Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, that's. We haven't seen that in a long, long yeah, time. It's been so, a long time. Uh, you know, so I, I. So getting more income and and hopefully not losing too much in the short term and and hopefully none of it represents permanent capital loss. But uh, you know, we do need to get the shopping list. Uh, I mean, we in. have a shopping list, but <laughs> you have one. But we, you know, we we have to continue to build in, uh, you know, not just watching it, but build in, you know, leverage our tech stack and be in a position where we don't have to manually look and fish. We can be told when the fish are there. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think this has been a necessary episode of the Talk Exchange, just because. Again, when you see the markets go up a thousand, down a thousand, it's starting to look a little a little insane. Um, but it's great to have this conversation with you and sort of speak of it in more logical terms uh, from your from your vantage point, which is, you know, for all of our clients, obviously the most important one when it comes to their investments. Uh, and it's great to be able to to hear your thoughts on it. So oh, thanks. And I, I just hope if anybody takes anything away, it's I mean, the real reason to do this was to kind of alert people that the bond market is on fire. I mean, fire in a bad way. It, yeah, not a I good mean, on fire. Yeah, you, know, you turn on cable news, it's all about the stock market. Uh-uh, the, the biggest story of the day and the biggest determinant on where things of all sorts go is what happens to interest rates and inflation. And so uh, we're getting double barrels. I mean, we as the, the markets are getting double barreled right now between stocks and bonds. And uh, so just knowing that, that really we have to pay attention to things like the Fed and get you know go back to Fed watching and data mining again and zerp 
and Zerp, well, no, no Zerp anymore. No Zerp, so, no so, Mo. Uh, we, you know, uh, now we just have to just have to kind of look. Keep, you know, powder's pretty dry. We'll have some short-term bonds run off pretty soon, and get to redeploy that at higher interest rates. And and so, yeah, bond market is uh, a disaster, and and we're okay. So <laughs> <laughs> those are the the words to live by. And and the you know the the. You know the the real challenge is you know parlaying this into you know something with sustained value over time. So right, cross your fingers. Uh, wish us luck, and thank you so much for um, just all your support. Uh, and what I mean by that is I had uh, a conversation with someone, not a client, and he said, "You must be getting calls all the time." And I said, "And this is absolutely true. I haven't had one phone call." <laughs> you know uh, about with, the panicked market yeah, no no pan yeah no panic people and um which you know is probably another reason why i think you know this could definitely continue this will this can and should get worse before it gets better um you don't have a top to bottom uh you know a bear market like these in in uh you know outside of covid they just don't act, right they don't reverse that quickly so uh i i anticipate and i think everyone should uh, you know, anticipate a world where that down five six percent is going to be more on the downside, but that's okay. Again, if it goes down from here uh, a bit, um, and just looking at the allocation, I can't see mathematically why this would be down a you know a material amount where it actually lowers the probability of one's long term right objectives. Right, but, the preservation um, of capital is still intact. Right. So just and, and that that you know this is the overdue piece that I've been trying to put together is. You know, for six months now, I've been just thinking about how do I articulate this idea that, you know, you have to sort of, in good weather, you have to sort of mentally prepare for bad weather. Right. Because hopefully then you do the right thing, uh, both for defense on, but on offense. When bad weather does come, uh, it, it, it just represents opportunity. So thank you. Thanks, Neil. Well, we'll hopefully have a new episode coming in the not-so-distant future. We appreciate all your time and talk to you soon.